Hello, everyone. I'm Dominique. And I'm Christina. And we are the Connected in Glass podcast. Every week, we will feature interviews with glass artists who speak to their creative processes and overcoming challenges. These conversations are real and raw. We hope that by sharing these stories, you're able to find some connection and know that you're not alone. We just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. We're super passionate about this project and work for hours every week to bring you this content. So if you'd like to help support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash connected in glass. Also, please consider joining our Facebook group, Connected in Glass Community, where we continue the conversations from these episodes. We'd love to hear from you. This episode of Connected in Glass is sponsored by Diddy Clips. Diddy Clips has changed the way we film our glassblowing videos, and we're proud to be working with them. Today, we're interviewing Manu Reves-Bukli. Manu is a glass artist from Switzerland who began lamp working in 2012. Hello. Hi. Hello. Good day. How are you doing, guys? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. So first, we want to skip the glass part of your life, and we just want to know about you. So where you live, what you do for fun, and then kind of work us into how you started doing glass. Well, I'm from Switzerland. I live in Molis Glaros. That's the state. And I like to do a lot of hiking just enjoying nature like uh any kind of artsy stuff i like to do i was always like artistic so i was always searching for what kind of arts or craft i want to do because i like to work a lot with my hands and i used to be an endurance broker so yeah that wasn't really that was totally something different i did did, do this like for three years of my life and yeah then i tried to move on in some artsy uh things and so I made my way to go to LA for a movie school. So I tried to get like an editor or like maybe doing even something in front of the cab due to a chain reaction. Like I landed at a glass gallery um, and they made pipes there. It's like uh, the Goosefire Gallery. They had like one of the biggest galleries like back in the days, 2011, 2012 was it around. And that was the first time I saw like very, very crazy glass. Like you could could smoke out of it too. And I was like, oh, okay, that's crazy. And my friend introduced me to this. And uh, like there were artists there which made the pieces, right? So you could literally interact with them. And so I met Andrew, a slim catcher. It's like his glass name and uh, Slim's glass. So he would like introduce me to his shop like his shop mates and it was the craziest thing I saw ever like they were just there like having fun like doing their thing they wanted to do listening to music having fun together like socializing and I'm like oh you guys do this as a job here like this looks very cool like I could see myself doing something like this they were like yeah yeah we, we work like and sell it to the shop and like I was like wow that's very cool and I actually also bought my first piece from uh, Slim, my art piece from Slim, uh, Andrew. Like, that was very impressive. So that's like the start, how I got my feet into glass a little bit. 
then I had to go back uh, to Switzerland and I needed to do civil service because here in Switzerland, it's mandatory to go to military service, right? So you either can do civil service. It's like you do more social stuff, like you go at a retirement home, something like that. And I was doing that or ending that stuff. And then I was saving money to go back to America again. And this time I went to Riviera Glass School. I don't know if you guys heard of it, but I was like three months there and did like blow glass, like, like every day, 12 hours or something like 10 till 12 hours. And yeah, I met a lot of awesome teachers there. Like they all taught me a lot of good stuff. Like, uh, and yeah, like the, the school owner, Dustin, like it was, it was good that I, yeah, it was, was very cool for me that I could go to that school because here in Switzerland, there is literally no glass school anymore. And I, I wanted to do just glass and not like in Germany, they have a school in Austria too, Lausche and Zwiesel. But those, when you go there, you have again, like math, math, mathematics, like German, like the sports and then glass on the site. Right. So that's not what I wanted to do because I did all that stuff before a lot of times. <laughs> so I really just wanted to focus on doing glass. Okay. So you kind of had like an office job, right? Like, yes. Uh, and totally. then you were just like, all right, I'm going to leave this office job and I'm going to go to LA. And yeah, you just that's up and left. What was yeah, that like me. leaving your country and like coming here? And like, was that a huge jump or leap or you? It sounds so scary to me. Well, yeah, I was scared at the first. I mean, every big step in life you take is kind of scary, I guess. Every good step, too, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of scary, but I found a lot of friends, like, uh, very fast there. And uh, the first one or two months, I didn't have a car. So that was very bad. In L.A. with no car? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> because they told me at first, oh, they have a train. And like, yeah, the train, you don't even know if it's coming or not kind of thing. It's like, yeah, it's not you don't expect like Swiss punctuality from like the freaking trains and buses there. So either it's like comes the West or not. Coast attitude. <laughs> And then you like left that and you're like, all right, I fell in love with glass. Like, did you try glass when you first got introduced or you were just like observing and meeting people? Like, did you get your hands on it? At first I was just like looking at it and I could literally try to in the studio there a little bit. But yeah, after that, I did come back to Switzerland and I, I, I did find the teacher of me here, Guido is his name. He's a very famous like Swiss artist too, but he makes uh, beats most likely and like marbles and mostly it's beginning soft glass. So yeah, and then he showed me like soft glass stuff and I pointed on the bigger torch next to him like there. I was like, yeah, I want to do Boro stuff. Can we use that one? And like after the first hour lesson, we switched to the bigger one and used Boro then. But I actually liked the soft glass stuff he, he showed me too. He made me do like some flowers, some butterflies in the beginning. And it was very cool too, like to just work with the soft glass. But it's, yeah, it's totally different. So I, I well, it's, it's like you have like less time to work on it. It's like, a, it's more like, yeah, it will like break way easier if you do something wrong. With Boro, you got more time to like 
do stuff. But it needs more heat though. So like, yeah. So and then you was, then you packed up and left for three months and came back to America. <laughs> and you're like, yes, this is what I'm going to do forever. Well, I knew like those people at the school, like somebody was there already, which did learn there. And he, he said to me, oh, it's very cool there. And that's exactly what you want to do. So yeah, I literally packed my stuff again and like went three months there. At first I didn't have an apartment. So I would live uh, at a motel the first two weeks because my attitude was like, oh yeah, you'll find an apartment. No problem. No, it was pretty much a problem until like after two weeks. So uh, it, it was funny because like at the campus or like UC Berkeley, I guess, right? They had like these frat houses and they were sometimes searching like people to live there. And somehow I ended up in a frat house living with some UC students for like two and a half months. It was pretty wild. Yeah, it was funny though too. <laughs> That's one Trendy. way to make friends. <laughs> You get the U.S. college experience without having to go. (laughs) Exactly. Like everybody asked me like, oh, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I'm a glassblower. And everybody's like, I think I never heard of this. I never heard of the glassblowing classes at the UC Berkeley. I'm like, yeah, it's not here. It's a different school. And he's like, why do you live here? And I'm like, well, I'm a student, I guess. So they let me stay here. (laughs) Did you find that everyone was really welcoming when you came to America, like coming from from a different country? Or do you feel like people were hesitant or do you feel like you had some culture shock with that? Oh, you sure have a culture shock. I mean, like, yeah, but everybody was very friendly. You you know, it's like the funniest thing. (laughs) The first time I did walk into a 7-Eleven in Berkeley, like I would walk in and uh, I see the, the cashier there and I'd be like, hello, how you doing, sir? And he just goes like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm like, <"Hey>, okay. <laughs> and he, I'm just starting laughing and he did this laugh too. And then like a different guy behind me comes in and he just goes, sup, sup. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's why he was laughing because he never got that friendly greeted here around, I guess. It's like... <laughs> You're like being so proper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like that was like oh uh, yeah they're way more chill here you know it's not like uh it's a, in british or in the uk it's like more formal i guess too so that's where i went before i went to america so they would even teach us british english in in class when you grow up so the teacher would say no you need to call it oh 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 you know it's like yeah i don't know if that helps you learning english like talking how a british person talks <laughs> It's like, uh, I find like American is like easier to understand and like to speak to, I guess. So I guess that's why I switched at one point or maybe that's because it's more Americans I'm around with. So I don't know. So interesting to me. (laughs) It's just like the difference between the different types of English. I mean, as Americans, we think everybody speaks American English. So (laughs) we'll just live in our bubble. I think there's just a lot more languages spoken in America, too. So we kind of like almost have multiple different types of slang from even other languages. I just wanted to say, even in America, you get these types of like uh, some people I don't understand. I mean, it's the same thing with the UK people. It's like Scottish people. It's like, yeah, that's a class for themselves. I love how they talk, but it's like very hard sometimes to understand. We've been at a, at a glass blowing flame off in Scotland and like to 
you needed to get into it to talk to the people because you sometimes I was standing there and I'm like, what did he say to me? I have no clue. And but I'm smiling and like just asking questions back and trying to be nice because I I don't know. I, you can't ask somebody like three times in a row, what did you say? You know, that's kind of rude. So you kind of smile and be like, yeah, how was your day? <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> it was so a lot funny. of fun though. So I love traveling and I, I miss going like traveling, like in this Corona times, like, yeah, that's a big thing, which like, yeah, big downer for everybody, I guess. Okay, so I was wondering when you went off to the school, were you immediately like, did you immediately find your voice in class? Did you already have ideas and things you wanted to make? Or was there a time where you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Like, did you, did it just kind of flow and come together? <laughs> no, no. The first two weeks, like, uh, was very bad. Like, I, I was literally there. I'm like, Manu, what are you doing here? Is this your life now? You, you, you don't know what you're doing in front of a flame and like you pull a little glass in there because I, I had literally no clue. And like I did everything wrong, kind of. My English then was, wasn't as good as yet. So like they needed to teach me like some words, like glass blowing, like, like what is a seal? One teacher asks me like, oh, you don't know what a seal is? Yeah, like forget that shit. And I'm like, dude, well, explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he's tell like, me oh, what yeah, the word a, means <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's like a connection you know you may, yeah then then I was like oh that's the thing you you put together the glass and it's like oh, okay it makes sense now and yeah from there on was my life a little easier because I knew <laughs> when they were talking about seals <laughs> I need to put together some stuff and what what crazy was was like the rotation thing the spinning but I guess everybody has that in the beginning and the heat control and how to use the flame proper. It's, uh, yeah, I didn't know. It's like, it was hard in the beginning. And like after two weeks, I was about to give up kind of. But then I saw like the first improvements, like the first cool pendants I made, like the first cool flower jars. And yeah, like I made a belt buckle. I was proud of that. I remember that. <laughs> So yeah, we started to, or I started to see progress in what I was doing. And so that keep me pushing on doing it. And uh, at the end, I literally after three months, I, I had some good basics down. Yeah, I just needed to focus and train more. It's like riding a bike, you know, at first you're like a little bit like, ah, but then you, when you, when you, when you get it, like, yeah, you, you ride straight over the mountain, whatever comes, you know, you, you just go for it. And then you went home and you felt like you had the skill base to, you said you moved to the area that you're in because of the studio, right? You want to tell us about that? Exactly. Like the thing was, I was coming back and yeah, I was living still back at home and my parents were like, there's no way you put like your torch stuff in a garage in my house and burn down everything. So I was like, okay. So I was like, I'm going to move out. <laughs> and then, then I searched like old houses. And at first I found the house a little bit further, a different valley from here. It's uh, It was way too big. But the thing, it had four floors. But if you would stand up, I'm not that tall. One, seven, one, eight, I guess. And like, if I would stand up, I needed to go like, like my head would be like tilted because you couldn't stand in the room. So yeah, that was, that's not a good space for a glass blowing studio. So I did search another house and 
this house, which I'm in here now, was literally the second one I found. It's like, it's very poorly, it's very poorly isolated. It's like, you know, it's almost falling apart, but uh, I could do whatever I wanted in it. So it, it was an old restaurant in there. So I changed all the restaurant's equipment for uh, glass blowing equipment. And yeah, that took like three months till I left the school till I was here kind of blowing glass again. It was very hard because I lost or forgot a lot of stuff while these three months I didn't do stuff because I was focused always on other stuff. And uh, my teachers were very kind. Sometimes I would like write them on Facebook. Hey, what, what, how was that working again? I'm like, I fuck it up all the time. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, and they were very kind with me and, and explained it sometimes again. And they just said, just repeat it. You know, you, you had it. So you, you, you need, just need to go back on your bike and try it again, you know, so you can, you can go and do it. So your studio's in your house right now and do you work by yourself or do you share it with other people? At the moment I'm working on my own, but I have like students which are coming here, like renting sometimes spots or taking classes. But right now I'm alone due to yeah the virus like some people would come here like stay here doing collaborations like i guess you met skrillinger too it's like brad morano so yeah he's one of my good friends he's coming like almost every year once here so and yeah it's it's overdue hopefully end of the year again he said something is coming so we see well, he's at least allowed to come here to Switzerland uh, because we're still banned, I guess, to travel to America at the moment. It's a travel ban still. So, yeah. Can you describe your style of work to people who haven't seen? My style of work, I like to do a lot like color work, like tie-dye style. I call it lava carver. It would be like, uh, it's kind of a wrap and rake technique. So... And I just like to use it with a lot of different colors. I like to do a lot of iris or eyeballs. That's uh, something I like to do a lot. I like to do uh, networked uh, stuff. Like I made some big networked helicopters. That's, I guess, yeah, that's one of my biggest pieces I actually made. So I like those a lot. And yeah, I don't know, like any kind of pipes I like to do a lot too. It's like, because it involves function, I like to do a lot of, yeah, any kind of cups and glasses too. Like Bradley inspired me a lot doing that. Like I saw him, I call him the human lathe sometimes because like he literally takes one piece and can shape it and whatever you you tell him, you know, he's, I like him a lot. He's, uh, he sure did teach me a lot of things too. And uh, he's also a very good guy. What inspires you? Like, do you... Do you, first of all, do you come up with plans? Like you wake up every day and you're like, I'm going to work on this. Or do you have random sparks of inspiration and you just kind of follow along with what you're feeling? I think it's good to have a routine. Like when you, I like to, mostly when I wake up, I'll straight go to work. It's like, I don't like to waste my day because like, I know if I just wake up, like do breakfast, then I go coffee and do that and that. And then it's like, oh, it's 12. Yeah, so I rather start at nine and then like do the stuff later in the day. But uh, I usually have a plan what I'm doing. So because, yeah, or if you don't know what to do, just go on the station and start doing something. Because 
what I mentioned when I start waiting on inspiration. Yeah, you can wait a long time. It's like <laughs> rather go out for a walk into nature than sitting at home and not getting inspired. Like just do something and you will your eye will catch something and you you you'll be maybe, oh, I could try this out of glass or like oh, this color pattern was very cool. Let's try this or, you know, like. I think with doing something, I get more inspired than just sitting and just waiting, like to like get like a, a super awesome idea or something like that, you know. And when you have an idea, do you draw it out or do you write it out or can you visualize it in your head or you do you just like jump right into glass and kind of work through it with the material? I can visualize very good, but most of the time I will draw it down like uh, like all the the serious pieces will get drawn out and um what I learned from Phil Siegel like just last time I saw it on camera he was like holding up this piece he made out of styrofoam and wood and stuff and uh, this would represent his glass piece because he wanted to hold it and see you know literally what's going on and if it fits in the kiln <laughs> that's a that's a good point too because I had this uh one of the helicopters I made, like with the, the tail on it, it wouldn't fit in the kiln anymore. So I was like uh, doing like a MacGyver kiln out of glass wool and stuff. It, it, it worked, but yeah, it was not <laughs> the best option to do it. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was very impressive that, that he literally builds something not out of glass so he can look at it. Or, or make changes while it's not hot, right? Because once you it's you make it hot, you it's not easy anymore to take parts away again and put it somewhere else. It's like maybe you destroy the piece or like, yeah, you just want to do it one time. That'd be perfect goal, I guess. <laughs> I was wondering how you go through the process of pricing your work. Uh, of pricing? That's a good question. I don't know. How, how does somebody do that? It's like uh, it's like art pieces. I mean, like yeah, I started like where there was already a market, you know. So I was looking at other people. What what does a, that guy sell an opal pendant for, or what does that go for? And yeah, it's like in I I started doing that, and uh, but I don't think you can like match your prices with somebody else. I, I just think you should go for yourself and because like countries are different, like the, the places where you are, are different. I mean, if you live in, in a city, you probably get more for your work than you would like on a market on the land somewhere. Uh, it's like, I guess that the setup makes it too, if it's in a gallery or if you go into markets, that's uh, different, right? But um it's it's a hard question. I, I don't really know. It's it's just like the price ranges which they go, which I have from my friends, like from myself, and I just go with it. I don't know. I mean, the more hours I put in, the more expensive the work is. That's I guess that's that's an easy one for everybody who's working. I guess. <laughs> but and there's also the artsy thing coming in. It's like uh, you know what is art. It's like everybody sees it different. So it's uh, for somebody, something is worth $10,000 for the other person that's $5, you know, because it's not staying for that person something, you know. So I don't know. I try to be always fair 
it's like not like you you do something and be like oh it's thousand dollars you know it's like it's like yeah and it's and you should also like yeah between production and artsy stuff like like more more like higher work where you put in like one month of your time instead of like one hour you know that's going into the price too for sure but uh i cannot show you something particular i i just got like my product line you know and for those i know the prices and the rest i don't know if it's like custom work or it depends on the hours what colors yeah what struggle it was kind of <laughs> totally i don't think there is a right answer but it's cool to hear like the thought process on how people work through it oh yeah that, that's a very interesting question yeah it's like i like to hear that too because i yeah I said it's like very hard for like artists to price their stuff, I guess, because mostly you always hear, oh, your stuff is overpriced. And then, you, you know, every artist hears that always, but there's always somebody who pays for it, you know? So maybe it sometimes a piece maybe sits around for like, I don't know, two months or something. Then it before it sells, sometimes it's one day, you know, it's like you can't really tell or maybe i sold one also like which was one year old before so it's like but then it was like waiting on the perfect owner kind of thing it's like because that, that, that i remember it. he looked at the piece he was like oh that's exactly for me and i look at him yeah i'm fat it's one year here so it's yours <laughs> and he was so stoked he was like oh thanks god it's not gone <laughs> so that that makes me feel good too it's like yeah you got these stories with people like buying your stuff and like uh, they 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 hold on to it. Sometimes a person like I don't see them for a long time and then they have a pendant on me and they'd be like, oh, I wear this every day. And I get so many compliments on it like every day. And I'm like, yeah, that makes me very happy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just good stuff to hear. Right. And that's like also why I do this, you know, just uh, because it get, gives you a lot of love back. Like, mm. But I like that a lot. Can you tell us how you sell your work? Like the different streams of revenue that you have? Do you sell it yourself or do you sell it through other entities or? I do have like shops which carry some of my work. I do Instagram usually only. I I used to have a page. I don't have stock at the moment because I did have problems with my arms for, for like two years now mostly. And yeah, the first year was not so great. So I could just do smaller stuff and uh, this year was better again so the biggest stuff I made this year was like the trophies for Conatrate. so they were they were cool and right now it's going better again so I can go and do more and more work again and restock kind of and maybe I don't know that there's a lot of shops waiting on work so I'll sure give a lot of work to those guys and I don't even know if I need to do it. I'll open a shop again, like a homepage or otherwise I just always post it on Instagram and most of the time it will sell. So I didn't have really problem with selling my work actually, but yeah, it's uh, at the beginning I had a lot of problem actually. That's, that's now, now talking after like eight years doing this or eight and a half years, because like nobody knows you in the beginning and your stuff is not as good as it is now, you know, it's like, and you don't work as fast as you did then too, or exact or like the quality is also like way better. Yeah. It was uh, the beginning. Yeah. How you said, said like it's, the pieces weren't as good. Right. So it's like mostly 
people buying it were like friends or like yeah my mom like gifting something like that you know it's like I guess how every artist starts or maybe not <laughs> and uh and yeah then it took off kind of like just going on markets like getting your name out there like all these festivals then European flame off was then in Barcelona, there was a big scene. They opened galleries there. In Switzerland, they did open out galleries. And uh, I did go to Las Vegas once a year at uh, Las Vegas Expo. Those are also very cool people and awesome people. So, yeah, and I did combine this always with with traveling too. Go and work like another shop. I, I did go to Florida Um to St. Pete, Zen Glass Studio. Those are all awesome guys too. Like I loved it there. It was, it's very hot for a Swiss guy. It, and it was like March. So it wasn't even summer. <laughs> it was like Swiss summer for me there in March. So that, that was pretty cool. It was very hot though. Like I liked it too though. It was way crazier. Like uh, California, Florida, way different. Kind of same, but way different. Like the people... It's like, it was fun. That's like, I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about your traveling because I think that's fun to follow. And do you think that that helps, that definitely helps build your market, right? And get your name out. Is that one of the main ways that you, that you've built yourself up? Yes, I, I guess that, that was a big part too. I mean, um, if you're like going to Glass Art Society meetings, like in Murano, that was crazy there. It's like, I met so many people there like and very famous people too i was like wow i'm standing in front of you ha 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 i was like that's cool <laughs> it's like you know it's like for you guys it's like for me too it's like meeting a superstar or some normal people like they'd be like oh it's uh, britney spears or madonna or whatever you know it's like uh, you're like oh it's caesar and tofolo woo <laughs> uh, i love that so and yeah like just connecting with them was awesome and like also the pipe scene is very friendly and uh you know like uh, it's always a good time to just hang around with those people and just everybody loves what they're doing and like you can feel this like also al always when i talk to a glass blower wherever it is like they they love what they're doing otherwise they wouldn't do it because it's hard work and i don't know most of most don't get rich while doing it you know so you need to love it <laughs> and what, what i said before like it gives so much back so like uh, just people having like a little ornament from you or like any kind of piece like they come and tell you a story what, what they like they go through with it or like yeah, that's, I, I hear a lot of nice stories always from people. So and this makes me smile and they, they smile too when they tell it. So I'm, I'm happy. Like the circle is closed. <laughs> Do you like always feel really strong and powerful with your career choice? Or is there sometimes where you're like, oh my gosh, how did I get into this? Like you're so far along and clearly you're really successful, but do you always feel that or just sometimes you feel like questioning yourself? Well, yes. I, I, do you guys know that meme with like the curve going up and down? It's like you start your day and you think, oh, everything is going great. And then you hurt the one point and then it's like, oh no, this is shit. And then you go down. It's like, oh no, everything. Yeah, you know, it's like, kind of how everybody goes through life kind of thing i might mean yes uh, i think yeah should i have been a soccer player should i have been a, 
a rally car driver. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, it, you can do anything what you want in life, and do what what makes you happy, and you can also change it every day. Like so, and I I, I literally needed to think about that because of my hands, right? Because last year it wasn't sure if I could do this. For the end of my career, because like yeah, she she was like you got two tennis elbows and like maybe your your wrist is is, is not good anymore too and it it looks like your shoulder is gonna be part of it too and like yeah I got into this whole kind of thing like oh what happens if this and this and this and you just go deeper and deeper into that hole and yeah you need to stop that and like just do stuff you like then or focus on something different and. I just focus on different stuff or make smaller glass stuff to keep my joy in it still, you know. Not that I start like disliking it, right? That's not something. What do you want to do? Something you love to dislike, right? So I literally started eating better. I started working out, like walking, and yeah, my problem got better. So uh, yeah, I'm almost two hundred percent again now. So. This this took me up a, a lot again this year. Like last year was way bad with like all the stuff which happened around too. Well, it made me feel a little better, but that's that's not that's not a nice thing to say. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, we're all in this together now. Not just me. I can't work, you know. But it's like, yeah, it's like I gotta do. Man, bodily injuries when you rely on your body to do your work is just the worst I nightmare. I feel like that's like every glass blower's fear is just like, what do I do when my hands aren't working? Like that spiral of your brain. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be crushing, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, the, that's the thing. You, you, you cannot be in that spiral, you know? You need to go out of that. So, because when you keep staying there, you you're not going quote you're just going more deeper down so yeah and that's not an easy thing to do you need sometimes people to help you out of that too right or just focus on something new like just do something new with the time you have you cannot do something else right so yeah i think mindset is important not just the body too if your body is like not working right something in your mind maybe is like you know you're stuck on a problem or you know you just don't don't feel it and just maybe you need to move or eat something or you know it's like sometimes just water drinking more water helps too it's like <laughs> we are the queen of the spatters of the importance of water water changes your whole life <laughs> so do you ever just feel like stuck like you just can't get yourself to produce your work and if you do, how do you get yourself out of that? Yes, it's like at that point I was stuck last year with the hands. Yeah, for sure. That was like, uh, but I, I know a mental stuck. You mean maybe like you have no ideas or you just don't feel like working or something like that. Um, yeah, this thing is like, just go and work. <laughs> it's like, that's what I figured out doing, you know, because if you're stuck, like you, that's what I said before, you can you can think about inspiration or try to to get inspiration somewhere but uh, for me it's it's the most when I start working like just if I don't know what to do I just take a blank start striping something on like color or whatever and then I'd be like oh I start doing a section 
And uh, while I do that section, like there's another like idea coming from what I'm doing right now. So I think that's a good way if you're stuck, just do something. Because it's better than doing nothing. Always doing something is better than doing nothing. <laughs> I like just do something simple, just get your hands going and then it comes. It's like, yeah, that's, I think that's the best way to do it for me at least, because like, yeah, you, even new ideas come out of that very quickly too. Or just out of a column pattern you, you put down, you, you think, oh, that flower in that garden, like I saw, oh, that, that was a cool shape or something like that. Oh, it's like, let's try to put this somewhere into my glass or something like that, you know? So it just can be the color you look at and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> really good, really good. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Like, what are you going to tell everybody? What I tell everybody? So it's a big one. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, no, 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 I, I, no, no problem. Yeah, it's kind of like don't sweat the small stuff. And it's, yeah, it's like I read this book. I didn't know from, I, I think Richard Carlson, Richard Carlson, maybe. But yeah, it's called like, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all just small stuff. So he would explain like, like how you, how you go through life. Just not, it's not caring. You care, but like, don't let you get mad from like tiny stuff. Like you're, you're outside, like in traffic or something, somebody cuts you off or whatever. It's like, you know, most people go like, ah, yeah, I'm mad now. I was like, then your mind goes into this uh, state of like, not like agitating or like not anxious, whatever. And yeah, I don't know. It's like taking it easy in life is like sometimes some people could like, yeah, use that, I guess. And it's helped me a lot too. I, I get like very easy agitated too, because I got ADHD. Like, so it's, it's like my thoughts go like from there there and there and there sometimes and it's hard to focus sometimes and just doing one thing at a time is i think is like a good thing too for me so and just don't get irritated by stuff which happens to you daily which makes you feel bad or like i don't know it's like just see the positive and try to if you have a problem try to see the teacher and the problem and not like the problem itself kind of you know so yeah like that's I think that's something which changed my life a lot that I just try to see what is this teaching me instead of uh why happens this to me you know it's like <laughs> because we get all caught in this steps I guess I guess that that's something good I think you're talking to me right now maybe i needed to hear that today (laughs) it's like it's like yeah it's like sometimes you know i'm living alone here you know and i'm the only guy actually who can make myself mad so you're stupid if you make yourself mad and then it's your own fault so you you know i know it's it's hard to do sometimes but (laughs) it's your fault if you do it and uh and if other people like tell you something or yeah, cut you off in traffic or something, yeah, just take it easy. Maybe he has, he's in a hurry going to work or whatever, you know, that's how you would have felt too. When I was like, Oh, I need to go to work, whatever, you know, it's like, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's uh, I don't know. So, 
So thank you very much and have a great thank day. You. Thank Bye. you. Bye. <laughs> you very soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected in Glass. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more information on the artists we interview and for updates on the podcast.